something to say. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, I'm a sci-fi fantasy writer, and yesterday's episode affected me a lot more than I thought it would. And so I wanted to talk a little bit more on the, not the subject of nostalgia, I think I talked that to death yesterday, but about kind of a cousin of nostalgia, wonder, awe. That's A-W. Finding things actually awesome. And not like in the totally tubular way of the 80s. Like something that just stops you and fills you with awe. Fills you with wonder. Something that rekindles all of that magic that was in you when you were a child. Because that's a lot of what we talked about yesterday. Is We, we, we do one of two things in our culture. And sometimes we do them simultaneously. We talk about the magic of being a child. And how wonderful it is to see through the eyes of a child and all of that. And sometimes we mean that in a sense of, oh, how pure they are, how innocent they are, things of that nature. And sometimes we talk about seeing the world through a child's eyes. And we talk about it as being naive and vulnerable. And because we often conflate these two ideas, we have a real push in our culture to mature, to grow up, to be a real man or a real woman or what have you, and a real person. Adult, man, be an adult. And I don't think it's all separate from each other. I don't think that they're all things that we necessarily should put into different camps because often we allow ourselves to think, of someone being childish as something that's bad. Like an adult who's being childish is bad. And depending on the connotations that we're putting on the world, the word childish, that might be true. Like if you're being a big man baby and crying about everything and how unfair everything is and how terrible everything is and don't you understand in my solipsistic world everything revolves around me because solipsism is a stage of development we all go through it at around two years old and we start we understand for the first time the concept of me 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 and most of us thank God, grow out of it, and some don't. And so, yeah, is someone who's living in that solipsistic, it's all about me world is being childish in a bad way. They, Their developmental growth was, for some reason, stunted when they were very, very young, and they haven't realized that there are people outside their own head, that there are other people out there, and that what happens to those other people matters in some way. That the world doesn't revolve around them, and it shouldn't revolve around them, and any attempt to make the world revolve around just them is silly and stupid and something that just just shouldn't happen. And so, yeah, stuff like that does happen. There, there, there is something to be said about that, and I'm not saying that in that context, being childish is a good thing. But there's a certain wonder that we have when we're a kid. And I think it comes from a cross between being innocent and naive and 
requires a word that we don't really have. In the fashion industry, they use the word fresh a lot, that you made something fresh. Or, you know, in art and design, and when you're writing and trying to come up with an idea, you're trying to come up with a fresh idea, something that doesn't seem stale and dated. That's not really the right word, because there needs to be something between innocent and naive, maybe unspoiled. I think this may be one of the reasons our culture has such an aversion to spoilers. You know, when we find out about the end of something before we actually get to see it, maybe. I don't know. Might make some sense there. But one of the things that, you know, I've tried to keep through my life, that I actually have made a conscious effort to keep in my life, is approaching everything that I encounter. Now, not always people. You know, you bring baggage with you when you meet new people, and you need to figure out who you can trust and who you don't. But when you're encountering media for the first time, when you're watching a movie for the first time, or reading a book, or reading a comic, or what have you, there's a certain fresh eyes, beginner's eyes, sometimes the way it's talked about in art, right, that you try to bring with you because I don't want to bring my preconceived notions in on this. A, a good example of what I'm talking about is when I watched Chronicles of Riddick for the first time because my friends were very, my husband especially, was very excited about this movie back when it came out. And, eh, you know, I had seen some stuff with Vin Diesel in it, and I like Vin Diesel enough to be willing to go see it. And it had some other actors in it that I liked, and so that made me more interested. And the trailers looked really good. But I kind of wasn't the biggest fan of Pitch Black at the time, and, you know, I don't know, I just, I wasn't feeling it. But I agreed to go to the movies with them, and we went in, and we sat down, and I'm sitting in the theater, and... I found myself starting to just be really negative. The movie hadn't even started yet. Like, we're still in all of that pre-roll stuff before even the trailers start, you know, before the lights go down and they're showing you all kinds of commercials and weird stuff about, you know, use our app and buy our houses, you know, all that crap. And I'm sitting in the theater and all that's going on. I realize that I'm sitting there prejudging a movie that I haven't seen. And so I just wipe it up, swipe it up. Okay, I, I this isn't Pitch Black. I'm not going to take any of the misgivings that I have about Pitch Black into this movie. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And very consciously, one by one, as those negative thoughts rose up, where I was trying to find any excuse I could to hate this movie before I ever saw it, before I saw it, for frame one, and I, I kind of weeded them out. I was like, look, I'm just going to take this movie for what it is. And finally... Because, you know, it takes forever for movies to start. It's one of the reasons why people don't like going to the theater anymore. And finally, the movie starts. And I'm sitting there. And this became one of my favorite films. And not because I was actually successful in doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't able to actually rid myself of all of my preconceived notions. I wasn't. That wasn't something that I was actually, at that point, capable of doing. But by getting rid of all of the negative thoughts that I had, the preemptive negative thoughts that I had going into it, the movie changed for me. And I started seeing it as kind of a futuristic version of the Robert E. Howard stories that I loved so much, the Conan stories, the Phoenix and the Sword and all of that, right? I mean, for goodness sakes, the Necromongers are the Stygians and everything except for name. Like, I don't think they use the word Stygian or Stygia 
in that movie. They might. It makes sense for them to, to do it if they did. But I started seeing all of these things that I loved in here. When they introduced the Sylph, when we had this air elemental moment, and Judy Dench, I thought, played it very well, and it didn't hold my hand and try to, now we're going to teach you why this is and that is. No, it just did its thing, like some of the best fiction that I've loved throughout my life. And I found myself really enjoying this movie. And when I got out of the movie, we talked about it, and we all really enjoyed the movie. And throughout my life, this movie has been one of those great litmus tests for me. And not like one of those shibboleths of, if you don't like Chronicles of Riddick, then you can't be my friend or any of that crap. But it's really interesting when you bring the film up, how people talk about it. Because there are those that, yes, point out some of the very obvious mistakes. The writing is cheesy and over the top at times. And that's actually one of the things that makes me love it more. You know, I grew up in the 80s, and I love that kind of cheesy Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. You know, those really bad pickup lines and everything. Like, I find that endearing rather than detracting from the quality of it. You know, it, it makes me, I don't know, it attaches me to it a little bit more. And, yeah, we could talk about some of the plot elements and some of the pacing elements. And, yeah, I mean, we could have a serious talk about some of the flaws of it. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but it's often interesting when people start talking about how unrealistic it is. Because that's what I know that, I don't know, our relationship is going to be strained. Because, really? You expected realism from the Chronicles of Riddick? One, one of my favorite arguments that I ever had with a friend of mine, it wasn't really an argument, it was just, you know, aggressive banter. <laughs> with, with a friend of mine was over uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. And it was because she watched this movie and expected it to be more rigorously scientific than it was. Really? You went to a kaiju movie expecting it to be scientifically accurate? Why would you do that? This is, like, I, you go to a kaiju movie because you want to see giant monsters destroying things. And this was a double win because it was a kaiju versus giant robot movie. So I want to see giant monsters destroying things and giant robots fighting them. That's all I wanted. Like, I, my bar for Pacific Rim was really low. Like, you give me awesome robots fighting awesome monsters, I'm there. And I got that from Pacific Rim. And to be honest, I got that from Pacific Rim Uprising. I didn't like it as much as the original. And there are reasons for that. But this is neither the time nor the place for that conversation. Or this would definitely become the Pacific Rim episode. But she couldn't su suspend her disbelief to watch Pacific Rim because she expected a certain scientific rigorousness about it. Yeah, I, I can't go there with you. I can't. That's, a, that's not something that I can allow myself to even think about because that's not what the movie's for. And it's made me actually enjoy a lot of movies that other people don't. I mean, while I'm not saying they're good movies or great movies or good movies, they're, they're, they're trash, but the DC movies I have rather enjoyed because I kind of expect them to be trash, to be honest. we And here's where I get the hate mail. <laughs> but I haven't enjoyed a Batman movie, like really, really, truly enjoyed and loved a Batman movie since Tim Burton stopped directing. I thought The Dark Knight had some good points to it, but it was overlong and should have ended with the Joker. I thought the whole Harvey Dent storyline was just so much baggage that weighed the movie down. There are a lot of things about the Christopher Nolan Batmans that really turned me off. 
mainly that they're not about Batman. They're about a completely separate character that Nolan created independently and decided to call Batman because it would make more money than if he called it the Madcap Adventures of Bob. Um, and, you know, I have some problems with that. But, you know, this these so I expect the DC movies to be trash. I really do. I, I don't expect quality from them. I don't expect them to be wonderful. I don't expect them to change my life. I don't expect them to give me anything amazing. Because it's been such a long time since Batman Returns, which is my favorite Batman movie. And that's a, I understand a controversial position, but remember, I grew up reading the Batman comics at the height of gothic Batman. You know, Batman v. Dracula and Batman versus the Demon. And, you know, Edrigan was one of my favorite characters that would cross over with the Batman stories and Gotham by Gaslight and all of that. And so that really high gothic, cartoonish, Tim Burton-y Batman. Oh, 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 I love it so much. But... You know, like I said, I haven't I haven't expected great things from a DC movie since then. I was pleasantly surprised by another movie that everybody seemed to hate, which was Superman Returns, which I loved. I thought Brandon Roth was a perfectly good Superman. I liked the movie. I liked the story. I think it's problematic now with Kevin Spacey in it, but that's a whole other issue um, that we can get into. But, you know, I, I, I actually enjoyed that movie. And I thought it was a very brave thing for them to do to continue the Richard Donner Supermans, even all these years later with a new cast. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent movie. Not a great movie. Like I said, I haven't really had a great DC movie since Batman Returns for me. So I don't go into Suicide Squad expecting a masterpiece. I don't even expect it to be a good movie. I watched a movie like Suicide Squad in the same way that back in the day I used to watch Tromeo and Juliet. And all of those garbage fires of a movie. You know, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Remember when B-movies were cool? <laughs> Am I the only one old enough to remember that? But yeah, you know, I'd go back and it was Suicide Squad everything that I wanted to No. But it has things in it that I really, really, really enjoy. Especially Margot Robbie. I mean, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Yeah, that, that was amazing. You know, I didn't like Jared Leto's, Leto's Joker, but I honestly don't like Jared Leto. I, I find his performances never really make me all that happy. So, eh, six of one, half a dozen of the other there. There were there were other things about it that I re really enjoyed. There were parts of it that... Uh... <laughs> yes, could have been better. Could have been handled better. Could have been done better. And I'm, I'm not an apologist for those things. But because I go into them with, with what I would call realistic expectations... I'm hoping to find something in them that I can enjoy. And I think a lot of people, at least a lot of people that I talk to, go into these movies looking for something that they can be upset about. Something that they can complain about. They've lost that sense of wonder. And that's a sad thing. And so for me, like, I've never been a fan of Deadpool. And so when I watched the first Deadpool movie... I didn't expect to like it at all. Because it's a double whammy. I'm not a big fan of Deadpool. I don't like Ryan Reynolds. I really don't like Ryan Reynolds at all in anything. <laughs> it's just Ryan Reynolds is... Uh, uh, I just... I don't... I don't like Ryan Reynolds. And I have mixed feelings about T.J. Miller. This is before everything that made my mixed feelings even bleh, more messed up about T.J. Miller. Well, at least before I heard any of that. 
and I thought his character was kind of pointless, and a lot of the characters in there I thought were kind of pointless. But I, I actually enjoyed the movie despite myself. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't go into it looking for here's my treatise as to why I don't like Deadpool because I don't like Deadpool. I'm still not like a fan of the character, but eh, I'll watch it. You guys liked it. You want me to see it? I'll watch it. And I came out of it actually enjoying the movie. I was reluctant to go to the sequel because, you know, lightning, it's hard to get it strike twice. And the trailers really didn't excite me about it. You know, I felt like it was going to be a rehash of the first movie with a couple new characters in it. And it turned out to be a rehash of the first movie with a couple new characters in it. But it's it was worth seeing just for Domino. Domino was a very good character in that movie. And that's what I'm talking about here. I am trying to approach these stories, even stories that I don't think that I'll, I will like, looking for something to like in them. I'm not looking for the thing to complain about, not looking for the thing to dislike or to go, haha, Jacques, you see, all of my preconceived notions about why this was going to be horrible are proven right here, because this thing proves everything that I had thought about this film before I ever saw it. So, ha 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 ha. And I don't think a lot of people watch movies that way at least you know in the circles that i run around in when i talk to people you know they have very much a preconceived notion going into a film whether they're going to like it or dislike it or what minimum criteria it has to have or it's bad and so they're not allowed allowing themselves to be surprised by a film and when i look at the internet and i see reactions to film you know like the last jedi I had my own fan theories about what was going to happen in that movie, but I was more than willing to see what Ryan Johnson would show me. And what I get out of the fan response is not so much, you know, well, I get a lot of, you know, Nazis want to take down Disney, but, you know, Nazis have wanted to take over Disney since Walt Disney was alive. And he kind of sympathized with them a little bit. But, you know, when you throw out the weird Nazi reviews, then you... You know, the white supremacist reviews of the film and you throw out the MRA reviews of the film that we're never going to like a film that had a predominant female in it at all. Even if that was Carrie Fisher, let's be honest. Um, yeah, what I saw was a lot of people who had preconceived notions of what the movie should be and were upset that it didn't conform exactly to their preconceived notion of what the film should be. And that that's not healthy. That's not a way... If you're going to participate in a fandom, expecting the fandom to live up to your expectations is not helpful. Now, this is the next thing I'm going to say is going to be a little bit of a spoiler if you've never seen Steven Universe. And it's not a little bit of a spoiler. It's a big spoiler. So kind of skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to be spoiled for Steven Universe. But for a very long time in that series, I was convinced that Rose Quartz was Pink Diamond, and I've had many conversations with friends of mine about that, and they thought I was wrong, and there were arguments from the show that showed that I was wrong, and I had kind of gotten to the point that showed that I was wrong. And when they actually revealed, spoiler, that Rose Quartz is Pink Diamond, yes, I felt vindicated. I actually don't like the way that they did the reveal. I think it works within the world, but it has troubling ramifications for a lot of the things that has already happened in the series and for how the series is going to progress moving forward. Oh, they revealed it in a much darker way than I thought that they would have. And 
in a way that they should have. Now, that didn't make me not like the series anymore. And it didn't make me love the series more because it confirmed my initial bias that we were eventually going to get this reveal. It gave me a lot to think about. And that's kind of all that I'm asking. When I say that our goal in fandom is to learn how to recapture wonder and what this entire episode has been about is trying to find ways and methods we can recapture wonder. It made me think. And whether you like or dislike the way an author went with a project, you should at least try to figure out why they did that, what effect that has on the story going forward, and try to continue to participate with that media that you reportedly love to f see how it's going. Not having so many preconceived notions going into a thing that you can't enjoy what they choose to do with it. Because if that's going to be the case, if that, then really just stick with the things that you already know that you like because everything else is too much of a risk to get into. Everything else is too much of a risk to even try. I mean, I was really shaky about the Netflix Voltron series because I have very fond memories of a really bad series from the 80s. Toys. See Nostalgia episode yesterday. And they, they had done a, oh, collection of terrible, terrible Voltron series in the interim. It's, it's a show like He-Man that they've tried to redo several times and have never gotten right. I mean... Voltron at least hasn't gone as bad as the weird spandex-wearing ponytail mullet thing having Space He-Man. And if you don't remember that, definitely look it up. It, it, it's, it's, it's a garbage fire. But, you know, I, I was nervous. But I liked Korra, and the fact that the same group was working on Voltron made me check it out, and I'm glad I did. It's not the Voltron series I wanted, but it's a good Voltron series. And I guess if there is a moral to everything that I'm saying, it's that if we're ever going to enjoy anything anymore, individually or as a culture, we have to stop expecting everything to conform to our preconceived notions and to be nothing but fan service for what we think the fandom wants and deserves. We have to give the creators of this content room to explore and write the stories that they're interested in doing. I mean, when Riddick came out, the third or fourth, if you count the animated Dark Fury movie, but the third theatrical release in the Riddick, uh, Riddick film, simply called Riddick, came out. Yeah, it was kind of a reboot of the series. It wasn't the movie that I wanted because I kind of wanted the my Conan the King movie, mainly because at the end of Conan the Destroyer, they promised me Conan the King, and it never happened. And you know, you know, there's a certain novel by Robert E. Howard that I would love to see actually manifest in a film someday, and I was hoping I would get that with the Riddick movie. And no, they went a completely different way with it. I like that they explained how he ended up on the planet and did connect it to the previous film. And I, I rather enjoyed Riddick because, you know, it, while it wasn't what I wanted, it was a good movie for what it was, and I had fun with it. If I had stuck to my guns of, no, 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 we should have seen what it was like for him to be king of the Necromongers and da-da-da-da-da, and we should have followed them all the way to the Underverse and had... Riddick in the Underverse, and Riddick fighting demons, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 
maybe that wasn't the way to go. Do I want to see that? Yeah, I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see Riddick get off world and go fight some underworld. But, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's a movie that they decided to make. It's the movie that I got. And I have to decide how I'm going to react to that. It was enjoyable. It actually was a better version of Pitch Black than Pitch Black was. I like the change of the conceit and the use of water. And just, it, I, I think it worked better as a film than Pitch Black did. But not a big deal. It's a movie that they wanted to make. And I hate sounding so defensive in this episode, but, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people face to face, and I'm trying to answer a lot of the but, but, buts, you know, that I get when I do that. I'm not saying we just resign ourselves to whatever we get. And I'm not saying we have to like it, you know? As somebody who grew up a Kiss fan, I've been wanting a new Kiss album forever. And when Monster came out, not really the album I wanted. It's the album that I got. It has a couple okay songs on it. But, you know, after Paul Stanley's solo album, you know, Wake Up Screaming, eh, I, I expected a much better album than I got. But hey, it doesn't affect me. And that might be the most important thing that we can learn as fans to get back some of that wonder. Just because an installment of a franchise you like isn't good, it doesn't affect it doesn't affect me. Yeah, I haven't gotten a great Batman movie in a long time. Yeah, I haven't gotten a great Aliens film in a long time. Meh. <laughs> I still hope every time one's announced. I still hope every time one happens. Yeah, maybe someday. And maybe that sounds cynical, and maybe that doesn't sound like I've recaptured wonder in my life. But I could have instead gone on and on and on about my love for My Little Pony in this episode. So be happy I didn't do that. I'm just, I kid. But, you know, because, you know, it's true. But my sisters, brothers, siblings of all genders in between, try to enjoy what you can in this life. There's enough out there to be angry about. There's enough out there to cause suffering and pain and misery that, honestly, I, 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 we, we really shouldn't waste the time anguishing over these little things. Find the thing, like, yeah, Suicide Squad could have been a better movie, but, hey, Harley Quinn was awesome. I, I really liked Harley Quinn. I at least got that. I've watched the movie again. I own the movie. I've watched it several times just because I enjoy watching Margot Robbie. There's a couple other things in that movie I like too. But, you know, you find joy where you can find joy. And I think as adults who have, to a large degree, lost that innocent, naive wonder that we had when we were kids, when everything was exciting and new, this is at least one thing that we can do. Or, in my case, stand in a room with uh, John Berriman. Because <laughs> nothing made me feel like a little girl again, deep in my heart, than being in a room with John Berriman. Because I, I felt like a girl seeing the Beatles for the first time on the Ed Sullivan show almost fainted. There are ways we can get back to those feelings. <laughs> and that's the glory of life, trying to find them. If you have any suggestions on how to recapture wonder... Please let me know. You can download the Anchor app at anchor.fm and leave me a voicemail message there that I can use on the show. That would be awesome. Or you can hit me up on social media. You can find links to everything that I do and everywhere that I am over at projectshadow.com. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that I haven't rambled on too much. I thought it was. If you want to support this show, you can rate us, rate me on whatever channel that you're listening to 
this on whatever podcatcher podcasting app that you're listening on if it allows you to if it allows you oops i smacked the mic sorry about that gesticulating with my hands um you can rate us on whatever app you're listening on if they allow for that that really does help a lot for us to get featured and to move forward you can share the podcast with others that you think will enjoy it that would be awesome as well if you want to help financially in whatever you're listening to us on if you look at the show notes you'll see a support on anchor link there if you click that you can support the show for one five or ten dollars i don't get to support i don't get to uh choose those levels those are built into the product but hey if you help that's awesome and if you want to support everything i do including the writing you can head over to um, project shadow and you'll see links to the patreon over there and there you can support everything i do including the fiction so thank you all for listening I hope this helped at least a little bit. Until next time, have the fun.